NZ. Safety precautions around the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic have affected a number of our broadcasts and a repeat program has been selected for the following broadcast. invites you for the next half hour to join us for interviews, discussion, inspiration and for strategies to help you fulfil your potential both in life and in business. Welcome to Remarkable Woman Radio. I'm um, here with my special guest today is Jess Stewart. Um, now, we're in for a real treat because Jess is an author of two, soon to be three books. Jess, that's an amazing achievement in itself. Thanks. <laughs> also, she's an international speaker and she's in a very experienced coach and facilitator and she loves to empower women and help unlock their potential, navigate their fear, and really help them with perfection, and something that we're really um, interested to talk to, which I know is a big trending topic at the moment, Jess, is the imposter syndrome. So welcome along to Remarkable Woman Radio. Thanks, Monday. Good to be here. (laughs) Well, now, I was just um, doing a little bit of research about you, and obviously you sound like a real powerhouse, so there's lots going on in your world. But first, <laughs> up, <laughs> but first up, I noticed that you're a self-confessed foodie, so you like everything to do with food and going out for food and things like that, which I find I, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> um, but also, um, you are into a bit of yoga and meditation as well. And so I just thought maybe if we start there and tell us a bit about your journey journey into how you came into um, the personal development, Um, you talk about mindfulness, but I really like that you talk about a lot of the gritty topics um, to do with mindset and things like that as well. So would you be able to just tell us um, how you got started um, and why yoga and meditation is so important for you right now? Definitely. And it is it is all about that balance. It's all about that balance of, you know, having a, a busy full life that involves, you know, going out to nice restaurants and doing the things we enjoy, but being able to balance that then with uh, sort of, you know, how we remain calm, focused, centered and giving time out for ourselves. And I guess I learned that the hard way, <laughs> as we learn most of our best lessons. Um, so when I was in the corporate world, I had 15 years with a career in human resources when I first came over to New Zealand and I was working for Fonterra. I'd headed up an HR team there and was working a lot of hours and ended up burning out and that's when I first came across. Um, There has to be a different way. You know, we still want to achieve our potential. We still want to have ambition. We still want to strive and life is always going to be busy but how do we balance that? Um, And when I left my career and left Fonterra, I spent a year travelling overseas and experiencing cultures in places like Thailand, Bhutan, Bali, over in Asia, and I came across Buddhism and yoga and all this new stuff, where it was new for me at the time, um, that really kind of piqued my interest. And as I delved more and more into that, so I actually spent four weeks um, in Thailand teaching English to, to Buddhist monks and really immersed myself in their culture, and I've learned to meditate sort of probably for the last seven years, most days ever since. And for me, it was all about how do we take that that obviously works from ancient traditions in Eastern cultures, but apply it to our modern-day Western world way of living. That's so smart, isn't it? Because I think we've got so much to learn from so many different cultures. And and I think as we are striving for balance in today's lifestyle, I often say, um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm often quoted as saying that, 
Um, I find work-life balance to be a bit of an anomaly. I actually think more of a balanced perspective is actually a more of a valuable tool to have. You know, when we've got an equilibrated mind, we've got the ability to access, you know, we've got the ability to have a lot more balance and strength and calm and confidence in our mindset. So, um, totally. so yeah, so I love what, what you're saying about that. Now, you have... As I said before, you've done this amazing achievement. You've written two books. I love the title of them both. So one is <laughs> the first one sounded like it's a rough guide to a smooth life. And I thought yeah. that's actually such good advice, just even in the title. Well done. <laughs> and also your book, Like a Girl. So this was all about focusing on self-doubt and loving ourselves and embracing our, and, um, our authenticity. Um, how did you come about writing that book? Um, like a Girl was really, I mean, when I wrote Rough Guide to a Smooth Life, that was really my foray into writing and becoming an author. And after I'd done it once and through a lot of trial and error, I decided that I wanted to do it again to sort of apply what I'd learned and to do the things that I would do differently again. And with Like a Girl, it was more focused on, I've had the privilege, I guess, of working with lots of women throughout my career and my coaching and in my business. And there's some reoccurring themes that I would work with some amazing people who could not see how amazing they were you know that that ability to doubt our potential despite the fact that we're having success but we're not realizing that success or we're not seeing it as success so that sort of ignited a passion in me to almost hold a mirror up to the women I work with so that they can see themselves through the eyes of others because we always look around us and say oh wow you're so amazing you're doing amazing things but from our own head and from our own perspective, that's always through sort of slightly different coloured lenses. <laughs> and that's where the self-doubt and comparison can kind of eat away at us. And then we don't realise how amazing we are. That is so true, isn't it? And um, and I love that, you know, holding a mirror up because when we, I know, I know for myself, I had this real superwoman moment when we moved back from overseas and I had three young children. My husband was still back overseas and I was doing an international move and I could cope with this and that. And I was, you know, just the superwoman, this, this you know, the ability to get things done, the, um, and, um, kind of doubting my potential in a way but just too busy to think about it and I just love the fact that I could actually do all of these things until one day I shut my thumb in a car door and yeah and that brought me way back down to earth where I just went oh my gosh and then all that self-doubt and everything just started to to um come back and then I remember just following the sun around the house all day because that was it that was the end of me being (laughs) being this (laughs) this person that's (laughs) that could do everything in that moment and and I had to really sort of look at, okay, what do we need to do here? And um, so that was that was cool. So I've actually kind of um, flipped into a little bit of your next book, which is Superwoman. And because um, you're obviously a real tiger for punishment and, um, and, and have more to say on this topic, which I think is very, very smart. Oh, yeah. And it is totally that mindset of particularly for women, we are expected not just to do everything, but to do it well. And most of those expectations or the highest expectations often come from ourselves in terms of if it's not perfect, it's never going to be good enough. And that applies to everything, whether it's work, life, parenthood and the rest. And obviously that, as as you've described, that sets us up to fail. And then we're left feeling, well, if I can't be perfect, if I can't be superwoman, then I'm not good enough. So it's how we flip that to say, okay, what is it that we want to do? And knowing that what we achieve is good enough, it doesn't have to be perfect to be amazing. And for us to be able to see that and be comfortable with that and to know that we're still um, achieving and still striving and still, still being amazing, but as we are, rather than needing to be more or different. Do you think that 
this perfectionism, this ability, you know, that this unrealistic expectation that we have on ourselves to be able to do it all and do it do it well or do it perfect. Is that is that because we are busy comparing ourselves, or do you think we are absorbing that from um, from society, or where do you sort of see this the source of this coming from? Mm, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, one of the things I've um, explored in, in the third book, The Superwoman Survival Guide, is the roles that we've had over many, many years and how that's evolved for women because as sort of the um, quest for equality has, has gone over the last sort of century, we've inherited more opportunities, but with that, more expectation and more pressure. But I think as well, there's our own mindset or our own view of that around if it's not perfect it's not good enough and so we're always putting extra pressure on ourselves to do more to be more Um, and that's where this perfectionism comes from and it's almost sometimes like we feel that it isn't worthy of success or it's not good enough unless it's perfect and of course if that applies to every area of our life we find that we're juggling all these balls and eventually one will drop and sometimes that's our health or sometimes that's the lack of time we're spending with our kids or our career um so how do we get that to be more sustainable so we can juggle all those balls but without having that need for it to be perfect because we will set ourselves up to fail if that's the case yeah totally totally and and you were answering that in the book as well, because otherwise I think I need to pre-order a copy of that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, yep, <laughs> that's the plan. So the first draft is finished. But yeah, it touches a lot on, on that stuff. And I guess it's one of the things since Like a Girl was launched a couple of years ago, it's one of the things that's constantly coming up um, as part of my discussions with women at events and conferences that where I'm talking about this stuff that that is a challenge. And that's what kind of made me think, I need to write about this. This needs to be the next book. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, because I often ask, you know, what is perfect? I mean, what is perfection? I mean, years ago, um, I think I did a lot of Tony Robbins courses 20 years ago, and everyone's striving for perfection, but it's almost like he he used to say it's a very low standard because it doesn't exist. And I used Mm. to think, wow, that's actually a really interesting way of looking at it because what is perfect? What actually does it look like? Because, you know... um, I think we're all imperfectly perfect. Um, so do you find that the women that you work with have this idea of what it should look like or must look like? I think it's more a case of it always looks like more or different or better. So we don't really have an idea of what we're aiming for, but we know it should be more than what we're currently doing. And that's the problem because then we set ourselves up to fail with not having nine times out of ten the things that we compare to that are perfect, whether it's an airbrushed photo in a magazine or somebody else's life on Facebook, that stuff isn't real. You know, you only see half of the story or what you're seeing is airbrushed. And therefore, if we're aiming for that and that's our version of perfection, of course, we're going to be failing because it's not a real picture that we're trying to look like or a real life that we're trying to recreate on um, on Facebook. Wow. And I guess if we just took all the photos of us smiling and looking good, then we would have the same sort of um, aura. But I think, yeah, it, it's great that you're bringing the realism back into, you know, this is what it takes to be a woman. This is what it takes to, you know, to be a useful member of society and um, and to actually be, um, you know, to, to thrive and to, and to be authentic. And which leads me into obviously looking at your website today and you've got this great image on there and some of the things that it says is a permission, you know, have permission to fail and you're a masterpiece and a work in progress. I love that. And yes. busyness is not a badge of honour. In fact, I often think busyness is boring now because everyone's going, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. And it's like, well, that's just boring, you know, because what are you really doing? And um, 
and, and especially this time of year, it seems to elevate the whole thing. Um, does, yeah. yeah, and then you, life doesn't have to be perfect to be amazing. I thought that was very wise as well, just what you'd put there. And also the other one that caught my eye was no one is you and that is your power. And do you work with women to help bring this out in them? Yeah, and I think that's what it's all about, realising. I think so much of the time we're looking outside of ourselves or to something or someone else. And a lot of the time when we do that, we're overlooking the things that exist within us that are amazing or the things we've already achieved that are amazing. And so we have this feeling that we're not enough because we've not realised our successes and achievements so far or because we're not tapping into the strengths that exist within us. So we do have this focus in our modern society on the things that we're not good at or that we haven't got yet or more goals for the future, which is great, but not at the expense of how far we've come and the things we've already achieved, because that gives us a balanced view then and helps us understand what we offer to the world as opposed to, I'm not enough yet because I haven't done X, Y, and Z. So it's almost like the more we judge ourselves and the more we we are looking to the outside for validation of what is perfect, what is you know what is what is right the more we're disempowering ourselves isn't it because if we're not looking within then we're totally disempowering ourselves because we're looking outside to of us to be who we are Mm, you? <laughs> no, no, and it makes it actually brings a quote to mind. Um, I was at a conference a year or so ago, and um, Dame Jenny Shipley said, "The closer you are to perfect, the less people will trust you." And she was talking about it from a leadership perspective, and that, to me, from an authenticity perspective, really struck a chord because here we are trying to be better, trying to be perfect, trying to be more. And yet, when we embrace our authenticity and just be us, that's that kind of you know, no one is you, and that is your power. Because if we're not focusing on being perfect we're being genuine and we're being authentic and when we do that people trust us and people want to be with us and you know you kind of connect more with others and so flipping that narrative on perfect rather than it being something we aspire to be but actually something that makes us less genuine if we're trying to be perfect um because it's not real it doesn't exist we are all imperfect by by, um, virtue of being human i think that's a really interesting way of of looking at it through the authenticity lens yes i I definitely like that and it's it's almost like our our own intuition or or will actually look for the, the, the closer someone is to perfection, the, the more we actually look for what's wrong anyway, even at a subconscious level. So, um, yeah. so yeah, interesting, really interesting um, to have that, um, just to sort of have that awareness as we go through life and just to really embrace who we are as, as, as who we are. I love that. Um, now, Jess, you also help run um, Women in Leadership and uh, I, I just saw it, so obviously I was doing a bit of research, and um, you run a conference um, called Women in Leadership. Um, do you want uh-huh. to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I do a number of, um, of events that have kind of come from the content of Like a Girl and obviously my HR background, I worked with a lot of leaders. And with women, there was always this difference. Um, I've worked across multiple countries, multiple industries, and being in HR, you do get that privileged role of sort of being on the leadership team, but also being a kind of confident you get to see everybody's pay you get to be part of recruitment decisions and all those kind of things and the recurring themes that I noticed were that generally women were the minority around those leadership tables they were almost always the lowest paid and often the highest performers and they'd be the last to put their hat in the ring when promotions came up even though they were often the most qualified around the table Mm. and that's what gave rise to sort of my drive to 
create a woman in leadership program that was actually designed by women for women and actually talked about things like imposter syndrome and self-doubt and confidence and how we navigate fear and failure and how it is different for women in the workplace but that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be impossible so how we navigate those differences and how we kind of you know can back ourselves um, to succeed in the environment that, that we're in because a lot of women still find themselves in very male-dominated industries or male-dominated environments particularly around the leadership table yeah and so how do you help them do that how do you help them back themselves a lot of it we focus on i mean the environment around us yes there are things that have to happen to to sort of help women in leadership and you know the likes of our cultures our policies those kind of things but the one thing we control is ourselves and so that's what I focus on through these programs and how we tap into our authenticity what kind of leader do we want to be what does that look like how do we inspire and motivate others what does the future look like and therefore how do we put ourselves ahead of the game but also how do we then tap into that voice in our head you know, there is a reason why we're not paid as much as others. If, if we don't ask, we don't get. And there is um, a reason if we're not applying for promotions, for promotions, that we're not getting as many roles around uh, that leadership table. So it's conditioning people to see their strengths and leverage them, but also to have the confidence to back themselves and take more risks and know that we can learn as we go. Um, quite often, the one thing that stops us applying for promotions in our career is the this feeling of, I don't think I've got enough skills and experience yet. I'll just wait until I'm sure, wait until it's 100%, you know, all the boxes are ticked. And, of course, the irony is if we ever went into a job where we already ticked 100% of the boxes, we'd be bored within a week. But it's around, how, it's around the mindset on that stuff and how we see it and backing ourselves to take risks and to be able to learn as we go and getting out of our comfort zone. So that probably leads us really beautifully into the imposter syndrome because that is getting you quite a lot of um, um, interest at the moment. It's a big trending topic. I think we can all relate to it, even male or female. I don't think it really oh. matters. But um, tell us a little bit how um, the imposter syndrome came about that, um, or your take on it. Yeah, it's really interesting because I had a chapter in Like a Girl that talked about imposter syndrome. There's a lot of other stuff in there as well, but it's the one thing people want me to talk about. Um, every time I'm invited to conferences and events, that's the thing everybody asks for. And it is, as you say, a trending topic and something so many of us can relate to. The International Journal of Behavioral Science says that 70% of us get imposter syndrome, and that's regardless of, of gender, but it's certainly prevalent in many of the women that I speak to and that I work with and for many of us it's something that we hear for the first time I know when I go and do this talk at conferences and do my workshop there's always a woman in the room that hears it for the first time and you see in her eyes this light bulb of oh wow this is a thing and it has a name and it's not just me and all these other women get it too and there's such power and relief in that um in a nutshell imposter syndrome is this fear that we're going to be exposed as a fraud so it sounds like one of these days they're going to find out that I'm not actually as good as they think I am. And it tends to rear its head when we get out of our comfort zone. So applying for a new job or getting a promotion, a new relationship, those kind of areas of our life are a breeding ground for this. But it also comes with a side of waving away praise and um, not being able to talk about our successes or acknowledge our achievements, which we already know in New Zealand we're very good at without having imposter syndrome making us better at it. Yeah, the old good old tall poppy syndrome. If we get too high, <laughs> we'll be brought down at the knees for sure. Yeah. And and so um, and once um, people recognise it and they and they go, hang on a minute, that's me. What can they do about it? 
there's a number of um, strategies that I that often take people through as part of those workshops and talks. One of my favourites, and I guess the one I, I use still now today, is keeping a success journal or diary or um, folder in your inbox or on your desktop, whatever works for you. depends how technologically savvy you are. <laughs> um, it started for me as a page in the back of my diary where I just write all my successes. And when I was in the corporate world, that was more about my annual appraisal. My memory's not great. Um, my annual appraisal, my bonus depended upon it. So um, when I got asked, what are your successes this year? I could barely remember what I'd done last week. So it became a way of jogging my memory. But what it also did is helped improve my confidence and was an evidence folder that offset those moments of self-doubt because as soon as you start writing this stuff down, you're programming your brain to see more of your successes rather than the weaknesses and the negatives that we're so good at um, picking out already. And each time we add to that, we are kind of flexing those muscles in the brain or those neural pathways in the brain that will allow us to see our successes. And, of course, then we've got a big list of them. So when we are having those bad days, we can look at that and go, okay, you know, I didn't think I could do this, but I'm looking at all this evidence that shows me I can. That's brilliant and so simple, isn't it? Mm, yeah. I mean, because I I remember um, I saw a real estate agent that um, we worked with one time and she had all of her sales listed in the back of her diary. And I think that gets updated because there was, that's her evidence and she's looking at it every day. And now Mm -hmm. it's actually quite a valuable resource as well. But I thought that was just such a great, um, when I saw that and now for you um, talking about just starting um, like your evidence folder or success diary, I think that's just such great advice. And, And yeah, just so we actually look back and we do remember um, remember um, what we do and I mean I was running a workshop on Friday and there was we were pushing because I like to push people's thinking to activate the fear and they were stuck on what would my life look like if I could have it exactly the way I wanted it and um, but when we looked at what was in the way man they had a laundry list of all the all the you know I'm not good enough self-doubt all of these sort of things and it was actually a really good thing just to um, just to actually point that out to them that um, we're so good at looking at all our negative um, belief systems and traits and because we're not actually remembering the new ones. So that's a great tip. Thank you very much um, for that. Just just putting in, um, so for all my listeners, you know, just p- picking up the back of your diary or as Jess said, putting it on the on the computer and um, and just start taking taking count of, of all your successes because there will be a lot over a year and it could be little successes as well, not just the great big ones. So yeah, that's Definitely. really cool. Very cool. So that's a that's a very great tip for imposter syndrome. So, which leads me to one of my favourite questions to ask because, as we know, business is never in a straight line, and um, things um, can push our comfort zone. Um, so, what what happens when you feel like your comfort zone is is being stretched? And you, um, what what strategy do you use? It's something I've had to embrace, I think, particularly starting your own business. There's so much trial and error, so much success and failure. And I used to, for me, it was all about the fear. You know, when you get out of your comfort zone, it's the fear of, what if I fail? What if I make the wrong choice? What if this is not the right thing to do? What will people think? All of those things. And I think for me, it was around how my relationship with failure changed. So rather than failure being a sign that, you know, it's the end of the road, you've tried, it didn't work, you're obviously not cut out for this. It's how, how we learn. And when I think about sort of going from being an author to a public speaker, 
I'm naturally an introvert. I like to sit behind a desk and write books and I don't really talk to many people whilst I'm doing that. <laughs> that suits an introvert. And then all of a sudden I started to be asked to take the stage and talk about this stuff in front of sometimes hundreds of people. And I always tell the story of um, when I'm holding a mic uh, in, in those conferences and events that for about the first year of my public speaking, I couldn't hold a mic. I had to have it attached to me or on a uh, a lectern because my hand shook because of the nerves and I'd always have my notes with me and they'd been, be in the other hand and both my hands would be shaking um, and it's one of those things that I often talk about when we're talking about imposter syndrome and taking risks and getting out of our comfort zone that we have this um, our, our competence grows when we get outside of our comfort zone and prove to ourselves we can do it you know it's always going to be nerve-wracking the first few times but once we've done it and we've proved we can do it, we get that feeling of competence. And with that comes confidence. So we don't fear it so much the next time around. And certainly for me, whether it be public speaking or putting on my own events, that was a real learning curve. And it's changed my relationship with failure because it doesn't always have to be a success. Getting out of your comfort zone and flexing that muscle and keeping, not, keeping on doing it until it becomes the norm that's how we prove our competence to ourselves and that in turn gives us confidence to try more. So it sounds like you're focusing on what you really want to do in the future. You know, this is, you want to make a difference so you're prepared to sort of work yourself through this to develop the competence to do so because you speak very well. So, um, and I, I get with you in front of a group of people, it can be very stressful but I, I think we worry about ourselves more than they're worried about it. They probably go, oh, thank God she's up there talking and I can just sit here and <laughs> listen half the time anyway. <laughs> so, definitely, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And people will often ask me, oh, yeah, how did you learn to be such a great public speaker? And it's like with anything, it's, it's practice. It's starting off. And whenever we do something for the first time, we're never great at it. When There's no such thing as overnight success. It, everyone has to practice and get good at something. And that's how I see things now. It's anything that I haven't done is just something I haven't learned yet. And I think when you start your own business, particularly when you're a solopreneur, that has to be the case because there's so many things you end up having to do yourself, whether it's your marketing, your accounts, your IT, all of the things that you used to rely on for other people to do for you in, in your former former job. Um, yeah, it, it's just something you have to learn. And that kind of gets you into the habit, I guess, of whatever I haven't done yet is just something you need to learn. Brilliant. No, that's really great. Now, um, we're almost um, out of time, which is really strange because it sounds like we um, could talk for ages. But <laughs> what, Jess, I mean, obviously this is Remarkable Woman Radio, so I like to ask um, my guests because I all think they're, they're remarkable. But what is most remarkable about what you do and who you are? I think what keeps me doing what I do is the impact it makes for others. Um, when women come and tell me how it's something I've said has, has made them think differently or given them an extra boost of confidence or it's made them apply for a job or negotiate a higher salary, those kind of things is, is sort of my why. Um, people tell me that my composure and the calm that I bring to things and my connection to others and the energy that I give off is, is something they appreciate. And so I kind of feel like that's something I, I want to share, along with all this stuff that over the years that I've been in business, I've kind of learned myself. And because it's helped me, there's this need to then share it so that it can help others. No, that's definitely remarkable. And so how do people find you, Jess? Um, so I'm on all the, the usual uh, social media channels, Facebook, mm -hmm. LinkedIn, Instagram. I've got a YouTube channel as well. The best place to go for all of that and information on the books is my website, which is jessstewart.co.nz. 
brilliant. Thank you so much. And I'll make sure that um, your um, your website address is on any notes and, and anything that we put out. But thank you so much for joining me okay. on Remarkable Woman Radio. I've really no enjoyed worries. speaking with you. And I'd love to have you back when your next book comes out. It would be a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mandy. Well, thank you so much, Jess. Take care. No worries. Thanks. Bye. You can catch us again next Tuesday at 3.15 on 104.6 FM or anytime on Planet Audio.